The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Today is a day that churches all across America and the world pause for Sanctity of Life Sunday, where we remember the millions of children whose lives were taken before they were born through abortion. We remember ladies who experience trauma throughout their lives after abortion, and we are going to stop and pray for them in just a moment. One of the ways that we at TBC um, fight this horrible thing called abortion is through our partnership with a great ministry here in town called Hope Pregnancy Center. And Hope Pregnancy Center's They're having an open house. If you want to see what it's like, the gospel ministry they do, the care they do for ladies as they share alternatives to abortion and the gospel of Jesus with them, there's an open house next Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. And then just that following week, there's volunteer workshop training. I know Steve, who we're going to talk to in a moment about his new ministry. He's done parenting classes there, great opportunities to serve there, and then want you to pray for hope is they have an abortion recovery retreat. Maybe you have experienced abortion in the past and you're hurting and you're wounded as a lady who went through that and this retreat is an opportunity for healing. And then finally, we're excited to partner with Hope for their uh, fundraising banquet April 2nd. New Orleans Saint Benjamin Watson will be the keynote speaker there and we're looking forward to being part of that. And now I've got a dear friend with me, Steve Key. What would you guys welcome Steve? Good morning, thank you. So eight or nine years ago, I was getting on a plane flying to Lubbock for a speaking engagement I had up there and sat down at the Austin airport and there sat Steve. And here's this guy that is um, working hard for a, a company and talking about life. And he said, you know, I'm kind of actually interested in retiring early and doing missions. And I said, really? Well, tell me more about that. And we began to talk. And so eight or nine years later, here we are, Steve. Why don't you tell us where you're going and what you're going to do? Yeah, there's more to that story, but there isn't time this morning. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to be uh, moving to Indonesia, Sarabai Engine, Indonesia, uh, a week from Tuesday. And I'm going to be joining a team of younger people over there. They're 20-something. They've been over there for a couple years. And, uh, and the, the goal of the ministry is to chur- uh, plant churches and to give you kind of cast more of a vision of what a church planning is. It's not building, physically building uh, buildings, but it, it's going to be kind of like what we would view a small group. One or two people get together and maybe a couple more and read the word and share and, 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 and hopefully discipleship train and then those churches would divide and split and, and multiply while we're over there. That's a, it's a predominantly Muslim country. There's a, a, about... In all of Indonesia, about 276 million people, and it's about 85% Muslim. So it's so hugely Muslim. God is doing a great work among many ministries, certainly among the ones Steve is joining to see many Muslims come to faith. So he's jumping in uh, to this ministry at a really exciting time. Steve, how can we pray for you as you go? Well, as, as we're, we're listed up there, um, pray really... Uh, if you start praying for somebody, you fall in love with them. And I ask for the church body to pray for the Indonesian people, for their hearts to be ready um, to receive. Uh, but but I, I pray that you guys fall in love with them. Um, pray that I can learn the language. I'm old, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's harder to learn than it used to be, but I'm excited about it. Um, we've got a really good teaching team over there, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
pray that I'm his hands and feet, that that's a visible sign to the people uh, over there that I, I'm serving uh, the king. And, uh, and my mom, I put her up there. I've watched her transition from when I first talked about going international, her saying, just do your work here. Just stay here. Just, you, you know. And, uh, and I said, no, Mom, I'm going to let you do some work here, and I'm counting on the church body to continue on his work here. But, but he's called me, and I've watched her come, and she's supportive of it now. But I know also that she cries her sleep at night, you know, cries herself to sleep. So, so that, that's hard um, to, uh, for her to go to. So pray for her, too. We're going to do that. So Steve, we can pray for Steve. We can support Steve. As Steve went through our process, our application process, to get approval by our team and our elder board for TBC uh, to send him, he's worked hard and saved and, and has a lot of his support raised. I was excited this morning. I said, where are you, Steve? He's doing a, quite a bit of self-funding, giving uh, some of his retirement toward this. But he said, you know, if I had five families, you could give $50 a month. Now it's four. Somebody said last. So now he needs four families who who can commit over the next five years to give $50 a month to his ministry. He'll be fully funded. So maybe you're that family. Would you pray for him? And would you extend your hands this way as we pray for him and pray for support for him? God, thank you for Steve. And God, we thank you for your hand of grace on him. And God, thank you just for this reality that he spoke in the first service, that he's got the great privilege and honor of going to be your ambassador in a place where there is little gospel access. And God, would you go with him? Would you prepare the way before him? God, would you help him to get language acquisition quicker than he could imagine? God, would you bless those efforts? Would you give him unity with his team, God, as they join together with Indonesian believers for the sake of the gospel to see your church grow and grow there? God, would you give his mom peace and would you comfort her heart as she sees her son move to a faraway land, God? And Lord, we pray through his ministry and through our partnership with him that you would be glorified. God, we're longing for this day when the glory of God covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. And so, God, we pray for a bit more of a reflection of that reality in Indonesia as your church grows there, Lord. Thank you for the great privilege we have of sending out some of our best, Lord. And we pray for your hand on him as he goes. God, we pray for an end to abortion. Um, God, we pray for maybe even ladies in this room who might think that's the only way for them right now, God, that you would help them to see and know that there's another way through ministries like hope, God. Pray that we as a church would come along ladies in crisis pregnancies and help them raise their kids well and love them well, God, that, that for some that the reality of adoption would be their option and for others, God, that they would um, flourish as they parent their children, God, whatever the way forward is, we know taking the life of a child before he or she is born is not the way. So God, bring an end to this. As we look in your word, God, would you open our hearts to see great and beautiful things? Would you transform our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Can can I close with one more thing? Yeah. Yeah, you know, a lot of folks have come up to me and, and, you know, and and said, boy, this is a great sacrifice. And to be sure, it is a change. Um, I won't have English speakers to talk to on a regular basis. Uh, my family, my, my boys, and my mom, I'm leaving here. But uh, David Livingston was a missionary, and he said, why do we consider it an honor to work for an earthly king? And we consider it a sacrifice to work for the king of kings. You know, for after all he's done for me, it, this is not a sacrifice. This is a privilege and an honor.
Amen. Anyway, thank you, for church body. Hey, thanks, Steve. Yeah. Thank you. Let's give him a hand. I want to say thanks to you all. It was a great week last week, and I thank you. I got so many kind, encouraging calls, texts, and emails this week. And finally on Wednesday, I, I had to say, Mom, I, I get it. You're, you're happy. Thank you, Mom. Um, you guys have been great, and it's been a real encouragement. It's a blessing to be the Global Outreach Pastor here, and it will be a, a blessing one day, Lord willing, to lead our teaching team. I've heard a few people use a couple of phrases that um, I just want to say this is, this is not really the intent of where we're headed. A couple of people have said something like, are you excited about replacing Pastor Gary or are you scared to replace Pastor Gary? And, and first, nobody could really replace Pastor Gary. But second, that's not what the elders are asking me to do. They're not calling me to be the senior pastor of this church. In fact, Gary and I, we talked this week and I I said, you know, really the only similarity we have is you're not going to weigh 219 in 2019, and I'm not going to weigh 219 in 2019. He didn't think that was as funny as I did, though. (laughs) But the reality is, I'll be the guy who leads our teaching team. Um, As Gary says when he gets up, he's one of the pastors here, and that's this reality. He's been our senior pastor. I'll be the guy who leads this teaching team that will be Gary leading us, and then I and Dave and Tim will be on that team, but then you'll hear from great men like Shannon Soar, other pastors, and even some elders preaching from time to time. And what we've known as staff and elders for a long time is that there's not really one guy who leads, but there's this plurality. And so it's a privilege for me to be part of a team with men like this. And so when somebody stands up here like I'm doing today, or like Brandon Brewer, this guy you heard from, will stand up next week and do, and then Gary, and then Tim, and as we continue on in our series... We don't ever feel like a B guy is standing up here. We feel like it's the A guy for that week, and we're excited to hear from him. We hope you're excited to hear from whoever that is as we seek to bring the Word to you. So that's what I'm going to do today. I am the guy tasked with that this morning. So we're starting this series called Disconnected, and today we'll be in Romans 5 and 2 Corinthians 5. So if you've got a Bible or an app, you can open to those. Disconnected. Today, we're going to talk about this reality of being disconnected, and this is not what we were wired for. It's not what we were created for. We were made for fellowship with God and one another. And it's strange that anyone would call our culture disconnected. We're the most connected culture in the history of the world, in the most connected time in the history of the world. But an Atlantic Atlantic article in 2017 that surveyed 5,000 teens Three-quarters of them owned an iPhone. One teen they interviewed said, I think we actually like our phones more than people. Since 2011, there are rapidly changing trends of social disconnection, and they're occurring among the rich and the poor, every race, in cities and suburbs and small towns. And there's this point where they say this is the average amount of time someone spends in front of a screen, whether their phone or tablet. And what they're finding is that If you're above average on your screen time, you're going to be less happy, more likely to be depressed. If you're below average, you'll be more likely to be happy, connected, caring for others. Among those with above average screen time or connection time, there's a large increase in sleep depraved people, which is linked to compromised thinking, general sickness, weight gain, high blood pressure, moodiness, and a myriad of other issues. 
one thing I read said college students say that their phone is the last thing they see when they go to bed and the first thing they see when they wake up. Now, as I read that, I thought it probably shouldn't just say college students. I'm 44, and a lot of days that's the last thing I see and the first thing I see. Now, y'all hear me. I'm a pastor. I need to keep my phone close to me at night, right? I don't know how they did this for thousands of years without having this phone right next to their bed. That's amazing. We're addicted to these things. Since 2011, teen depression, adult depression, suicide are skyrocketing. And see, there is one sense in which this completely connected culture may be more disconnected than any before it. And there's another sense in which we've struggled with disconnection from God and one another for thousands and thousands of years. Adam and Eve, they were made in the image of God. They were told to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth with the image of God. There's a Hebrew word for what was going on in the garden. It's called shalom. It's peaceful, webbing together and flourishing of God and humanity. We might not all agree exactly on what shalom would look like if we had it today, but we do know it would include, for instance... Strong marriages, secure children, nations and people groups in this brave new world would respect one another and care for one another. In the process of making decisions, men would defer to women and women would defer to men. I've heard that in Shalom, men will even ask for directions. Then with good humor all around, the person more naturally competent to make the decision in a crisis would resolve it to everyone's satisfaction. Government officials would still take office because somebody has to decide what day the streets are cleaned on, whether that's Tuesday or Thursday. But to nobody's surprise, they would tell the truth and freely praise the virtues of other public officials. Wi-Fi would work fast, always. Professors would know students' names and students wouldn't be so disinterested that they Snapchat their way through their courses. Mud would fall off little boy's shoes right before they stepped into their house. That would be shalom at the Bowers residence. Business associates would rejoice in each other's promotions, intercontinental ballistic missile silos. They'd become training grounds for scuba divers. And all around the world, people would stimulate each other's virtues. The Beatles would have never separated, but were disconnected. See, I believe one more thing about Shalom, Cowboys fans. If we had Shalom, Jerry and Jimmy would still be together, and they'd be happy. But that is not the case. Shalom, as Cornelius Plantinga says, has been vandalized in sin, the breaking of God's law and heart, and the harming of each other's is the vandalism of Shalom. It wasn't always this way. See, in the garden... There was one thing that wasn't good. It wasn't good for the man to be alone. And God said, I'll make a helper that's suitable for him. And among all the animals, we know no helper was found. So God took Adam's rib and bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, he made Eve this suitable helper. And man and woman were meant to be together, loving one another and loving God in perfect harmony. But shortly after we know the fall occurred, Adam and Eve ate of the tree and there was enmity between the woman and the serpent. But then 
the reality is there was enmity between the woman and the man and then between them and God and everything was broken so much so that the first child born to Adam and Eve murdered his little brother. There's disconnection with God and with one another and you could go throughout the Scriptures to see it and to see that it doesn't work. We were made for community and we were made to be God's people in community together with a great mission. Lots of stories tell it. One proverb that stuck out to my mind as I thought about being disconnected is Proverbs 18.1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and he breaks out against all sound judgment. See, we were made to be connected, but when we get disconnected from God, from his word, and from his people, we'll break out against all sound judgment. I've got a dear friend that I'm calling this week. I called last week and he just won't answer my phone. He's my brother in Christ, and he doesn't want to hear from me. He's isolating himself, seeking his own desire, and breaking out against all sound judgment. We were not made to be disconnected, and when we are, it doesn't go well. I thought about the prophet Jonah. You remember Jonah, God told him to go to the people of Nineveh and tell them to repent, or I'm going to bring judgment on them. And Jonah disconnected from God's plan and got on a boat And a great storm arose and the people on the boat realized ultimately through his own admission that Jonah was the reason because he was disobeying his his God. So he got disconnected from the boat and connected with the belly of a big fish. And after three days, he got disconnected from the belly of the big fish and connected with dry ground. And then he went to Nineveh and he preached the truth about God. And the people did exactly what a preacher would want them to do. They repented. This great city turned to God. And Jonah got angry about it. He was upset. He didn't love the Ninevites. And so there's Jonah sitting under this withering tree with nobody to love. What a sad existence that would be. You could look over and over and see when we're disconnected from God, from His people, from His mission, when we're disconnected from His heart to reconcile people to Himself, The world's brokenness abounds. It got so bad in the Old Testament that the last verse in the Old Testament tells John the Baptist is coming, the forerunner to prepare the way of the Lord, and it says he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. The hearts of the fathers weren't for their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. The hearts of the children weren't turned to their fathers. I've got to do this, otherwise I would have to come and strike the land with a decree of desolation. So Jesus comes to reconnect us with God and with one another. It's a work that only He could do. And it's a work today in a disconnected culture that only Jesus can do. We're disconnected. We're all wired up. we got every device right at our hands. We find the news out sometimes before it even happens, it seems. But we're disconnected. And so over the next several weeks, Gary and Dave and Tim and I will be walking with you and hearing how the Scripture speaks to disconnected husbands and disconnected wives and people disconnected through divorce. We'll talk about disconnected singles and disconnected intimacy. How we sometimes get disconnected from engaging the culture with the gospel of Jesus. How parents get disconnected from their kids. How couples disconnect on what they should do with their finances. And then finally, how we can get so caught up 
and day-to-day living that we ultimately forget and get disconnected from God and his mission. See, disconnected people will only be connected to God and others through Jesus. So we're going to look at Romans 5, 6 through 11, and then we'll go to 2 Corinthians 5. In Romans 5, 6, Paul says, For while we were still weak, disconnected, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, separated from God, disconnected, if you will, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, disconnected people will only be connected to God and others through Jesus. We were completely disconnected from God. And Jesus died to reconcile us to the Father while we were still ungodly. While we were still sinners, we're justified by His blood. So now He's reconciled us. He's connected us back to the Father. How much more shall we be saved by His life? We rejoice in God because we've received this reconciliation. See, we were children of wrath, Ephesians 2 tells us, but now we're fellow citizens with the people of God. We're part of His family and we're being built up together into a house that glorifies God. We've become His children through adoption. We were disconnected and we've been connected by Christ And we've received reconciliation. And when we receive reconciliation, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5 now. When we receive reconciliation, we're going to find out we become ministers of reconciliation. We become ministers of reconciliation because to be connected with God is to be compelled by the love of Christ. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ compels us. Why? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We're compelled, we're moved, we're launched by the love of Jesus Christ. I was on my phone with a friend as I was driving up after lunch on Tuesday and I'm pulled into the parking lot of Temple Bible Church and there is a white Ferrari in the parking lot. I don't know if you know, but there's not a white Ferrari in the parking lot at Temple Bible Church every day. We're not one of those churches where the pastors drive those, right? But I I thought, "I I wonder who that is. And I pulled up next to it and literally this car was Like my tires were as tall as this car, so sleek, so aerodynamic, and this car is impressive, and you know it has got an engine that will roar as it goes down the interstate exactly at the speed limit. (laughs) See, it's got an engine that propels it smoothly 
And what I, what I wonder for you and for me is what is the engine that is propelling us as we go into the workplace, as we come into our home in the evening, as we connect with our friends, are we compelled by the love of Christ? Is that's what is propelling us forward to love Jesus, to love his people, to love the world for the sake of Christ? Or is it something else? Is it to get just a little more money? Is it to be a little more well-known, a little more prestige? Is it so people will know who we are? Is it so people will like us more? Or are we so compelled by the love of Jesus that we know that he died for all so that those who live, those who are in Christ, would no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. See, to be reconciled and connected back to God is to be compelled by the love of Jesus. We no longer live for ourselves. Well, why should we even have to talk about this? Because we know this is true in reality. We ought to be compelled by the love of Jesus, but, but perhaps sometimes we're not. I've even heard that you could be a part of TBC or another church and not actually be connected to God and His mission or to still be disconnected. I thought this week with help from a friend about a literary character who was disconnected, Miss Watson was the sister of Huckleberry Finn's keeper. And Miss Watson belonged to the church and everybody knew it. But Miss Watson is not what we would call connected. She's just an old grumpy lady. Now she's a fictional character. Nobody exists like that, right? But she's grumpy She's not really happy. She kind of nags Huck and his friends. Everything doesn't just have to be in order, but it's really got to be her way. And she's got a list of things people ought to do if they're going to be right with God. But then in her heart and in her life, she's got her own set of discrepancies. And that is not what God would have for us. He would have us to be connected to himself and to his mission. He would have us laying down our lives for the sake of the gospel and for others. Paul, this, this former Pharisee who got connected to Christ as he's talking to the church in Galatia, twice he tells them what it looks like to be connected. It's to lay his life down. He says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We are connected together and it's his life living in me in the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. In Galatians 6.14, he says, May I never boast, may I never boast in anything but the cross of Jesus through whom I've been crucified to the world. And the world's been crucified to me. He's disconnected from this life of death and reconnected to true life in Jesus because Paul understood to be connected to Christ is to be a new creation. See, that's why connected people are compelled by Christ's love because connected people are new creations in Christ if anyone is in Christ, verse 17. He's a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. What does that mean? It means that through Jesus, the grace that saves us is the grace that transforms us into the likeness of Christ. Through Jesus, the grace that saves you and me doesn't leave you and me where we are, but it transforms us into the likeness of Christ. It changes our 
desires through the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, through us being in the Word together, through us connecting the biblical community together, we begin to see this brand new normal of what it looks like to be children of the King, new creation. I was looking over at my buddy Jonathan and uh, he was holding his baby earlier and he's not. At first I looked and I thought, is that a bear? Because they had a little bear outfit on, but it wasn't. It's this baby and it's just smiling and happy. And I thought, yeah, that's what we are. It's this brand new birth that occurs in our lives and we're spiritual babies and we grow up together in Christ. We're new creations. J.C. Ryle, a, a Puritan preacher, said one time about the Christianity of his day. There's a vast quantity of religion in the world which is not true. It's not genuine Christianity. It passes muster. It satisfies sleepy consciences, but it is not good money. It's not authentic or the authentic reality that Christianity has always been. Are we living as new creations in Christ? Do you know this great Wonderful, beautiful news that in Christ, the old can go away. Whatever you're struggling with can go away and new can come. See, new creations in Christ are compelled by the love of Jesus. Another truth from this text is that connected people serve others and point them to Christ because this is the ministry God has given His people. This is a ministry that God has given His people. It's January. We make new resolutions. We do all kinds of new things. Some of you may be wondering, what's God's will for my life this year? I've got good news. I have the answer today. I can tell you what God's will for your life is this year. I'm really, really excited about it. It's in verses 18 through 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. This is who God would have us to be as you'll see several times in these passages or in these verses, you see reconciled, reconciliation, reconciling. There's something God wants to do in the world and He wants to do it through you and through me. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry now of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's God's will for us, Temple Bible Church, that we would be ambassadors for Christ for the ministry of reconciliation. We look at guys like Steve who's headed to Indonesia or Brandon and Wes who are headed to the Arabian Peninsula and Lord willing, the Rogers headed back there to join the Brewers and we see, oh, those are ambassadors for Christ and they are, but so are you and me. Just like God sent Steve to Indonesia and the the Brewers and the Rogers to the Arabian Peninsula. He sent some of you to Scott and White. He sent others of you to TISD or BISD, some of you to McLean and some of you to Wilsonard and many others of you to a plethora of other employment places. And he sent us with a ministry of reconciliation into our own neighborhoods so that we get to make this appeal on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Last night I was talking to my eight-year-old Jeb, um, and, and Jeb, is a, he wants a story every night. And, uh, and I like telling stories, but sometimes I just, I can't come up with much. And so we just talk a little bit, you know. And so last night, though, I, I was talking to Jeb, and he said, tell me a story. And I said, Jeb, I can't think of one. And he said, well, what are you preaching about tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, well, 
you know, buddy Jeb, we, we adopted him from Rwanda. So I said, Jeb, you might be older, you know, one day. And he goes, well, yeah, I will. I'll grow up, Dad. <laughs> right, you will. That's how it works, actually. Um, I'm not good at math or science, as you can tell. And I said, Jeb, what if you got to become an ambassador for Rwanda or an ambassador for the United States? Would you be excited about that? He goes, oh, that would be special. <laughs> and I said, well, Jeb, do you think if you were an ambassador, do you think, you think you'd wear your sleep pants to your job? He's got on these long shorts with guitars and stars on them. He goes, no, Dad, I'd have to dress different. You think you'd have to learn even new things to say? Well, yeah, because I'm just eight, duh. You know. And I said, what would you think that'd be like? And so Jeb um, has never met a food he didn't like. He said, I bet ambassadors get to eat really good food. There'd be special dinners. I said, there would. That would be great. We began to talk about what it would look like to grow and be the sort of person who could be an ambassador. See, God's will for us is that we'd be taking steps as ambassadors and toward being ambassadors in Christ by the power of His Spirit. See, we might be disconnected from our spouse, disconnected from our kids, disconnected from our parents, disconnected from someone in this body, angry at somebody in this body or somebody in this body angry at you. And the ministry God's given us is this ministry of reconciliation, inviting people to be reconciled to God. And then when we're reconciled with God, we're people who reconcile others. We share the love of Christ as we love others and speak the truth in love. See, if we're pointing others to sin, helping others to sin, inviting others to sin along with us, you can imagine the variety of ways that that might happen in each of our lives. We're not really loving them. It's really hating them. And you can't love God and hate your brother. We're called to be reconciled to God and we're called to be reconciled to God and reconciling others to God because of this reality. We are intimately connected with God because Jesus became disconnected for us. We are intimately connected with God through Christ because Jesus became disconnected for us. For our sake, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. That's a statement that ought to set our hearts in awe-filled worship. Because here's what that really means for us. When you think about the worst sort of things that you and I have ever thought, dreamed, imagined. The worst thoughts in the world the greatest wickedness humanity could come up with. When you think about the worst actions we've ever done toward people or people have ever done toward us, when you think about the worst things we've ever said or people have said to us, God made him who knew no sin to be sin. He took our sin upon himself and he took the full bore wrath of God against that sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God and and you might be here today and that's brand new news to you and it's true for you that Jesus died and became sin for you and took the wrath of God for you and for me so that in him we could become the righteousness of God you can have a relationship with God forgiveness hope through Jesus Christ, and it's only through Jesus Christ. God made him who knew no sin, not that we could become mediocre at this whole Christianity thing, but that we, God's people, could be the very righteousness of God. 
So the invitation for many today is be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Maybe you've been coming and visiting some and you're considering this. Maybe you've been to a small group with a friend and you're thinking about it. Maybe it's your first time in this place. And the invitation to you is be reconciled to God through Jesus. You can trust Jesus and put your hope in him and have eternal life in him. And then the invitation for us as his people really is to be people who are ministers of reconciliation, that we would be ambassadors for Christ wherever he sends us, helping disconnected people to get connected to God and to his church through Jesus Christ. See, here's what the church is like. I I love this picture. It's a wallpaper on my phone. I I took this on the University of Arkansas, as you might could tell. We don't just have an affinity for pig statues just because... My daughter and I were there. It was the last trip we would take before she and my wife would go to orientation. And we took that picture uh, for lots of reasons, certainly because the pig was there. And of course, Starbucks was there and we like coffee in our family. But also we took it because there was this light post in the background. We really, really like Narnia in our family. As the children, if you know the Narnia stories, they go through the wardrobe and into Narnia. Ultimately, there's this light post there. And when they're in Narnia, they see the light post. It's actually the way back home. I think the church, as ambassadors for Christ, we're like a light post in the world, saying this is the way back home. In our very relationships, the way we carry out our lives, if it's a a doctor who's gentle and kind and caring and practicing his medicine to excellence for the glory of Jesus, if it's a nurse at the bedside who's serving with all that he or she has for the glory of Jesus, if it's a teacher caring for students, serving them in love. I heard of a a couple in our church this week that I've known and they usually sit back in the back and they're they're 85 and 86. They've been married 59 and a half years, and, and their bodies are hurting so bad that they can't come to church on Sunday mornings anymore, but they're still loving each other. They're still praying for the nations. I know that when people walk in where they live to help give them care, that they can see the love of Christ, and I know that they hear about Jesus. And I just imagine in that place what a signpost, what a light post that is. This is the way home. Come and find reconciliation. How might we be light posts? In Indonesia, yes. On the Arabian Peninsula, yes. But in central Texas, because in Acts chapter 2, it says when the believers were gathered together, there was a sense of awe that fell on all the people. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were living as ambassadors in such a way that a sense of awe fell on central Texas? See, culture is disconnected, though very, very wired. Husbands are disconnected from wives. Co-workers are disconnected from one another. Parents are disconnected from children. And connection really only comes through Christ. To be a truly connected people will be a people who receive spiritual life and energy from the very God who gives them. Turning our faces toward Jesus that we might receive all that we need for life and godliness from him who gives them by his own glory and goodness, to be connected and people who connect others, we must find our roles within God's global redemption project. Because to be connected is to seek to build shalom, the rewebbing of God and humanity and all creation and love and justice and harmony and fulfillment and delight. 
To be connected is to be able to see this reality that we're part of the body of Christ, part of God's people, and to delight in that reality in such a way that our love for God and people overflows through the attitudes of our hearts, the actions of our bodies, and the words of our mouth. So I want us to take just a moment to pause, and if you'd bow your heads and consider in this time, how might God have you be one who reconciles others to Him? How might He have you play a role as ambassador for Christ? And maybe you're here today and you just know you're not actually connected to God through Jesus and you want to be connected through Him. I want to invite you, if that's you, if you really want to put your life in His hands and say what you did on the cross, your resurrection, I want that to count for me. I want to trust you and follow you. I just invite you to pray with me. Jesus, would you forgive my sin? Jesus, would you give me new life? Would you make me a new creation in Christ? I give myself wholly and completely to you. And I trust in you to make me right with God. Maybe you've prayed that in this moment. If you have, I'd invite you, just come let me know. Maybe somebody brought you here, let them know. Maybe you have a friend here, let them know. Hey, I've put my hope in Jesus Christ. Or send me an email. I'd love to connect with you this week. Talk to you about what it means to grow in Christ. Lord, have your way with us. God is believers. There's spiritual power from Jesus in this room that can change this community and the world. Because we're new creations in Christ, compelled by the love of Christ, knowing that He died for all, and we who live should live for Him who died and rose from the dead for our sake. So God, help us to be a connected people who are inviting those disconnected from you and from your body into sweet and caring and loving and engaged fellowship with your Son and with His people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you're dismissed.